I understand what that song means now. I gotta go back and listen to that song. See, I ain't understand the song. We sing songs, don't even understand. I'm telling you, Zion is calling hit different when you actually move into a higher place. It hit different. We exalt the hit different when you actually exalt God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is Real Church Matters. Well, we talk Real Church Matters because Real Church Matters. Man, surely does it matter. How you guys doing? You doing good? I feel great. I'm doing good as well. Thank you for asking. Hope you had a happy holidays. Thanksgiving was great it was quiet it was peaceful it was reflective and i couldn't be happier to spend it with my family hope you did so as well safely uh keeping in mind that um these are perilous times even though there are many people who don't believe that they are perilous times i think this morning i read that uh 2,500 people died yesterday as a result of the disease, the virus. And so no matter how you feel about any of this stuff, your thoughts and your prayers should go to people who have lost their lives and their families who are affected. That's the Christian thing to do. Anyway, housekeeping. Let me say this, share the podcast you listen to. If you listen to it and you enjoy it, please, by all means, share it. Let people know you enjoy it. Let people know they'll enjoy it. And, you know, spread the word. Realchurchmatters.com. I say it because you guys are listening and you know where it is. And sometimes you got to help people find it. And the quickest way is just to tell them, hey, go to realchurchmatters.com. You know, we're not all technologically savvy. So just to simplify it, realchurchmatters.com. I got to get used to how my voice sounds with this particular microphone. Shout out to everyone that gives via Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Real Church Matters. I appreciate it. God bless you. Your giving allows me to continue to do this with all the things that are involved with doing this. And especially during times like this. Yeah. So shout out to everybody. I got some great things coming up for the close out the year. And uh, just come on and just seek the word out find places to give you the word eat it up and remember it's obedience over audience so with that in mind let's get to it i uh i have something i would like to share with you so today we're going to talk about the heart and one of the scriptures that i have here that um it really resonated with me is Psalms 38 and 8. It says, I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason 
of the disquietness of my heart. And so we look at the scripture again, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uniqueness in the way that it is delivered. It is very poetic, but I don't want you to miss the message or the power or the purpose of the message within it. He says, I am feeble and sore broken. He says, I have roared like a lion by reason or he's saying because of the disquietness of my heart. I realize at times like this that we don't talk enough about what people are feeling in their hearts and how the disquietness of their hearts is louder than the still voice of God. The disquietness of their heart is too loud for them to hear reason. It's too loud for them to hear wisdom. It's too loud for them to hear what God is trying to say and do in their life. Now, ultimately, this is a problem because something is lost on the Christian. I hear a lot of Christians speak of God as one who will make them do something. Lord, uh, help me to love people. Help me to do right by people. Help me to do what I should do. Ultimately, unfortunately, that is not God's engagement with us. God's engagement with us is very word based. So he gives instruction and he gives you power to do it. This is a power you will not feel. Therefore, many people feel they don't have it. You are you have already been embedded with the power to do everything that pertains to his will. You can do it. You might not feel you can, but you can do it. And the reason you feel you can't is because of the disquietness of your heart. You're feeble. You feel feeble. You feel weak. For those of you who don't know what feeble means, you feel weak and sore broken. You feel torn apart. You feel hurt. You feel destroyed. And this is causing you to roar. Notice he didn't say speak. I love the the uh, personification of of an animal quality. He says, I roared. I am sorely angry. I am lashing out because of the disquietness of my heart. I can't shut it up. I can't shut it up. I love the way he speaks of his heart as if it's a separate thing from him. Like my heart is doing something that I'm I'm recognizing it's doing it and I know why it's doing it. It has me in a place. And so in those times, I just want to encourage you today by letting you understand that there's a way to deal with our hearts. There's a way to deal with our hearts. I could easily tell you that the Lord is your strength and your shield and your, your heart should trust in him. I can easily tell you the, 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 the Psalms 27 and 8 where he says, he said, the Lord says, seek my face. And my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, I will seek. And I know some people are like, man, I wish my heart spoke like that. I wish my heart wanted that. 
No, your heart doesn't right now. It is disquieted. And one of the reasons that you have to understand why tough times and hard situations reveal the disquietness of our hearts, it reveals the frailty of our hearts, is because this is God's plan. Psalms 26 and 2 says, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. He said, examine me, prove me, show me what's in my heart. Nothing will do that more than life. And the things that God orchestrates in your life or allows in your life. Nothing that happens to you is not above the purview and the authority and the pleasure of God. If you experience pain, it is not just because of what you have done. It is what God has allowed to happen because of what you have done. You have to understand that these are not consequences more than they are corrective measures. Ways to reveal who we are and help us understand in light of who we are, who God is. For those of you who are getting down on yourself because you made bad decisions. Those of you who are overwhelmed because of regret or shame. I want to bring you some good news and let you know that you don't have to sit in the regret of that. That was not given to you by God. That is the disquietness of your heart. But these situations have revealed this to you. And I, and I want you to know you are not alone. Psalms 25 and 17 says the troubles of my heart are enlarged. He says, oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. He's crying out to God. He says, the troubles of my heart have enlarged. A lot of times we think that the situations around us are getting bigger. But the only thing that's happening is the troubling of our hearts is getting more intense. I noticed that once I, I started to to quiet the disquietness of my heart, I realized that my heart was changing, even though my situations weren't. I realized that most of the things that I thought was the cause of my disquietness remain the same. I realized that there I can separate the connection between what I see, what I feel, what I hear, and how my heart processes it. I can sever that connection between my heart and this world, my heart and people's words, my heart and people's actions. I can separate it. I can sever it. In order to do that, I would have to put my heart in another place. I was talking to somebody and I told them how I'm, I'm free from being hurt by people. And they said they, they wish that they could be in that place. And I said, the problem is, is that that place has no room for my heart. So I said, I wish I was there like you. I, you don't understand. I'm not there. Because there I can't be. There is no place there for me. 
So if you see me there, it's because I left me here. I hope that makes sense. There has to be a disconnect. I have to disconnect my heart from my mind. I have to disconnect my feelings from my mind. Otherwise, my heart disquiets me. Otherwise, my heart is so loud that I can't sleep at night. Otherwise, my heart is so loud that I begin to roar. I want you to just take a, a take a take a listen to this one. He says, "Let the words of my mouth, this is Psalms nineteen fourteen, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight." He is understanding what it is that God is looking at. He says, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you because these are things that haven't always been pleasing to you. And these are things that you are pleased by. So there are people who say, let the amount of ties that I give be acceptable in thy sight. The amount of times I go to church be acceptable in thy sight. The amount of Issues that I think are biblical, that I fight politically, let that be acceptable in our sight. Even though I curse, I cheat, I steal, I kill, I'm not going to kill babies. Let that be acceptable in our sight. I want you to know you will not be judged by your legislative choices. You will be judged by your words and your heart. You won't be judged on whether you uh, voted for same-sex marriage. You will be judged by your heart. You won't be judged by your beliefs or opinions or ideologies connected to scripture. Oh, I don't believe in divorce. You'll be judged by your heart. There are many people in marriages right now and their hearts are not right. So you stayed in the marriage. Congratulations. But the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart are not acceptable in God's sight. Oh, yeah, yeah. You stayed in that marriage. You're 40 years strong. But the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart are not acceptable in his sight. The scripture tells me, he said, there comes a time where the people will worship me in spirit and in truth. I want you to look at spirit in, in the most simplest form here and just look at it as the immaterial. He was saying that you will worship him in the truth of him in the place that matters the most, your heart, the immaterial. He says, that's all spirit is. Spirit is the immaterial. When we talking about the spirit, we're talking about the intangible things, the things that can't be touched. that can't be uh, dissected or controlled by man. There's many times where I share with people that the most the greatest mystery in the world is the mind. They cut it open. They poke it. They shock it. They cut slivers from it. They microscopically inspect it. They see that there's electrical synapses that fire off and send signals all through the body in a speed of light. That for some reason we produce bioelectricity. 
enough to even light a light bulb. <laughs> we, we do all of these things that are truly mysteries to man. Truly. But they can't crack it. Yeah, they can do a heart transplant. You could do a lung transplant. They're trying to do many other transplants, but they will never do a brain transplant because it is physical in nature, but spiritual in truth. This mind of ours is so complex that the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? It is a mystery even unto the holder of it. There are many of you who are trying to understand your mind. You will not understand it. What you need to understand about it, it is cannot be understood. It cannot be tamed. It cannot be contained in and of yourself. In order to control your mind, you must let it be controlled by its creator. Let's say that again. In order to control your mind, it must be allowed to be controlled by the creator. That's why he's saying, though, Lord, let my words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Let my words not be a roar. He said, let my meditations not be a disquieted noise. It prevents me from hearing your still small voice. Let it be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength. Look at this in Psalm 17 and three. He says, thou has proved my heart. Thou has visited me in the night. Thou has tried me and shalt find nothing. I need you to. Tonight, even as you listen to this podcast, the, the three of you that listen. Lay your head down tonight. Cut everything off. Put your phone on do not disturb. Sit it in the desk across the room. No, nothing's important. That important. Just quiet yourself. Hear your heart. What is it saying? What is your heart saying? What is in there? Can you speak to God in this way? Can you say you've proved my heart? You have allowed, because I want you to know, proving is the experience, the experiences of life. I want you to, the experiences of trials. I want you to know you should be able to speak to God and say, you've proved my heart. You've tried me. You've allowed people to do things. You've allowed people to say things. You've allowed situations to befall me. You've allowed things to, uh, to unfold before me. You've allowed sickness to hit my family or hit me. You've allowed financial situations to uh, overshadow me. You've allowed me to even receive recompense for my bad decisions. Do you know sometimes we make bad decisions and we don't get what we deserve. And then other times God so chooses to allow us to receive the consequences of our actions. All of this is by his doing. I don't want you to think even though there is the existence of grace and mercy, I want you to know they are not guaranteed to you per your decisions. They're not guaranteed. 
when I when I make mistakes, I look back and I say it could have been worse. I thank God for his grace. And then there's other times where I look and I say, man, Lord, even in the midst of me receiving exactly what I should have. I ask you for mercy and I'm still grateful that you keep me. We have to understand it. it even in our decisions, God is the one that allows the, the situations to be the way they are. It does. And in the midst of that, I want to I want to be able to look at myself. I want you to be able to look at yourself and think to yourself tonight and say, in the midst of all the things that I've gone through. You will search my heart and will find nothing. What does that mean? What does it mean? See, because some of you are in a place where you you're like Psalms 13 and two. He says, how long shall I take counsel in my soul? Having sorrow in my heart daily. See the things that are possessed in your heart. He said, look and you'll find nothing in me. See, when you look in your heart, what's there? Is it sorrow? What is in your heart? Everybody's talking about what they do. Well, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Or they're doing this and they're doing that. What is in your heart? What's in your heart? Is it regret? Is it shame? Is it disappointment? Is it sorrow? Is it anger? When God proves and tries you, what will he find? That should matter to you. As we move into 2021, I want you to challenge yourself. I want you to really challenge yourself. What in the world is in my heart? Not that other people can see. It's not for us to see. This is between you and God. This is a heart to heart conversation you need to have with your heart. What is in there? Some of you not even realizing it. You're not realizing the source of your frustrations. You're not even realizing the source of your insecurities or your anger. You lash out at people. You're not even realizing that you are disappointed in yourself and you lash out that disappointment on others. You're not realizing that you take everybody's words to heart, that you regard their meaningless insults or their meaningless uh, teardowns as truth more than the truth of God. You're not realizing that you regard people in a greater way than God because you are not taking what is happening in your life and assessing how that reveals what's in your heart. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? I know you like force. Can you get to the realities of how you can help my heart? I'm getting here. Here we go. Psalm 7 and 10. Psalm 7 and 10 says, my defense is of God. See, this, this heart is very weak. It is very vulnerable. It is not impenetrable. 
It is not uh, indestructible. It is easily manipulated. It is easily uh, attacked. It is easily impregnated. It is easily destroyed. It is easily broken. And people will know it too. And they'll be like, you broke my heart. Uh, that's because you don't handle it with care. It needs to be defended. It needs to be protected. He said, guard your heart. Your heart needs a defense. Say it with me. My heart needs a defense. This world is offensive or offensive. My heart needs a defense. Satan is walking to and fro, seeing who he may devour. He is not trying to eat your body. He is the consumer of hearts. And yours is just laid out there with no defense. That's why people are able to call you stupid and you cry. People are able to call you ugly. People are able to call you a whore. People are able to call you broke. People are able to call you crazy. People are able to call you nasty. People are able to call you, did I say ugly? I have to say that. Make sure I say ugly. Because people actually care. And I want you to know, all the people who have, are, who feel ugly, I want you to know it's subjective. And there's someone in this world that will be interested in the uniqueness of your face. And even they may one day call you ugly. You need a defense. <laughs> For your heart, it needs a strong defense. This country didn't feel more vulnerable than 9-11. We tried to understand how is it that people could come and sneak and get access to planes and drive planes into buildings. Country never felt more vulnerable. They spend billions of dollars on defense even before 9-11. And somehow we still were vulnerable. I want you to think about that. There's millions and billions of dollars spent on police. And still our cities run with blood. Every single night. We are vulnerable. We're vulnerable in a way where man cannot defend himself. You cannot defend yourself. Oh, I'm thick skinned. I hear you. I don't even listen to people when they say that stuff. Oh, stuff just rolls off my back. I hear you. I don't believe it. I know who humanity is. And without God, we are vulnerable. We're vulnerable. We are vulnerable. My defense is of God. Psalm 7 and 10 says, which saveth the upright in heart. It saves us in the place that matters in heart. It protects us in heart. I am able to be maintained in my faith. I mean, to be able to be maintained in my integrity. I'm able to be maintained in my peace because God is my defense. I allow his word to protect me. How? By believing in his word more than I believe in other people's words. By believing in what he said more than what I see. By believing in what he said more than what I feel.
by believing in what he said more than what I experience. God becomes my defense and he protects the uprightness of my heart. Isn't it amazing how the first thing we do when we are hurt by people is remove our integrity. Our immediate response to pain and heartache and trials is to drop our armor. It's one of those amazing things. It's like a boxing match. It's like they tell you like, hey, <clears throat> you cannot <clears throat> you cannot get angry or on the, the other side of it. You'll tell the person to do certain things to agitate the fighter, the other fighter, so that he gets more aggressive because the more aggressive he is, the less defensive he is. It opens him up to attack. See, I know one thing we got to understand is that armor is very cumbersome to move in. But people wore it not because it makes them a better offensive person, but it makes them a better defensive person. See, the offense is the sword. But how good is a sword without a shield? How good is a sword without armor? You can't just be worrying about stabbing the other person if you're not protected against being stabbed. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. See, we know that the word of God is the sword. But the word of God is also the shield. I have to use it not just to attack the principalities and the thoughts of my mind, but I have to also use it to protect against the thoughts of other people's minds that I will allow to impregnate me. That I'll allow to infiltrate me. That's the word I was trying to say. But impregnate works too. Um, that I will allow to infiltrate me. I have to protect against. I have to fight the battles of my mind. He says, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities and uh, high things in high places and even the very thoughts of our minds must be cast down. But in, in the in one respect where I have to battle my mind, I also have to defend myself against the minds of others. I have to defend myself against the stimuluses that are all around me. I have to. And God's word is how I do it. Some of you are in bad situations where you are, are, are having to deal with people that cause you pain and anguish. What I'm telling you is, is that you have to defend yourself. You have to guard your heart. You have to heart guard your heart. Guard your heart. Psalms four and seven. I just want you to look at this. This is a 
this is a, a testament to a guarded heart. It says, thou has put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. He says, God has put something in my heart that the situations around me could never give me. This is what this, I, I know you don't look at this as defending the heart, but we have to defend our heart even from the good things that happen. He's letting you know he's a, a, a heart that is defended and protected by God is so upright that even the joy I found in this world pales in comparison to the joy I found in God. We know that I'm telling you already that the 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 joy of God can overshadow any pain you experience. But the joy of God also overshadows every joy you experience. I need y'all to talk like this. I need you to say God has put a gladness in my heart that is more than the time where I felt loved by anyone. He put a gladness in my heart that's more than the time where I made um, $100,000. He put a joy in my heart that's more than the time where I had a, an amazing sexual experience. He put a joy that man can't give me and man can't take from me. That's a defense. We build up these walls, the walls of God's word. It prevents things from coming in. It prevents things from coming out. It only allows what God has put in. I don't need a strategy in which to bring things into my heart. I don't know what's good for me. My defense is to protect me from myself. You put what you desire in me, God. You put it. What am I saying? Job 31, 27 says, and my heart hath been secretly enticed. Or my mouth hath kissed my hand. We're, we're in a place where we don't even see how things are sneaking into our hearts. Because we haven't built up the proper defense. People, are, I, I tell people, and I literally just was telling somebody this, and I was telling them, ignore, ignore. And they were like, you're right. I just need to ignore. And I realized they can't ignore. Their heart is enticed. It's the reason why people will read stories and articles for hours about trouble and drama in other people's lives. We are enticed by the very thing that is poison. We're enticed by the very thing that if it befalled our lives, we would be vexed about. We're enticed by it. We love a good train wreck until it's our train that's wrecked. Secretly entice. Job 31 7 says, if my step have turned out of the way and my heart walked after mine eyes. This is why we have to defend and protect our hearts, 
because it will walk after our eyes. It will walk after our ears. It will walk after what we experience. It needs to be protected. It needs to be guarded. It cannot be left alone. It cannot be left unattended. It can be not be left unoccupied by the word of God. I was watching a show and I think I've said this before on here uh, some years ago. I, I was watching a show and it was talking about like whole cities that were abandoned and how nature overtakes it. Grass is growing in places you never would have thought it would grow. Trees are sprouting up. Nature takes over what is unoccupied. Oh, my goodness. I know you hear what I'm saying. A lot of you, you hear teachers and ministers talk about our two natures and don't understand how you can't conquer your old nature. It's because you are unoccupied. You cannot Leave the old nature unless you've been occupied by the new. Too many Christians are trying to empty their heart without filling it with anything. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm, I'm so tired of drinking. I'm so tired of drugs. I'm so tired of depression. I'm so tired of pain. I want them out of my life. So you kick them out, but they are going to come back because you will not let God in. You only wanted God to remove. You didn't want God to occupy. You wanted to use God's word to sever, but you didn't want to allow God's word to live in you. Lord, tell me what I should do. Should I leave this man? Should I leave this woman? Before you decide to leave someone, won't you allow God to live in you? You've made a decision. You're ready to make a decision to leave before you've even allowed God to live. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He says in, in John, Job 23 and 16. For God maketh my heart soft. And the almighty troubleth me. Y'all don't even understand the situations that's happening. The proving that God does is the breaking up of one's heart, tenderizing it, making it soft so that it might feel. And then you need to understand what you feel so that you can understand how to protect your heart. And people are so self-aware, they People so self-aware now, they'll tell you the type of learning they're good at. they like, listen, I'm a visual learner. They tell you what type of uh, love language they have. Oh, uh, I'm a, my love language is small, simple gifts. I'm like, y'all know everything about your heart. And don't care that your heart is that way. Because I'm going to tell you that. The things that we are feeling are regarded way too much. Oh, you're trying to make us robots, emotionless, numb robots. You want us to just live life without feeling and experiencing and, and feeling the fire and the power of passion. 
Nah, nah, you you go ahead. I, I just understand that the heart is very fickle. I understand that the very fire that warms you can burn you alive. I understand that the very breeze that cools you can blow you away. I understand that the very water that refreshes you can drown you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I understand the very ground that gives you security can swallow you up. I understand. And so as I close, I want you to hear what Job has to say about his heart. In Job 27 and 6, he says, my righteousness, I hold fast. I will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. He understood this heart needs to be defended and I'm defending myself from my heart. I'm going to say that again. This heart needs to be defended, protected, guarded because it is a danger to me. We, we all the time people say that scripture, they be like, guard your heart, guard your heart as if we're guarding it like it's something precious. No, we're guarding ourselves from it. I have to guard myself from my heart. Because it wants to reproach me. It wants to compromise me. It wants to tear down the very thing that I'm trying to hold fast to. See, your heart, you think it's your friend because you don't know it's a danger to your righteousness. Because you aren't concerned with righteousness. But for those of us who are concerned with righteousness, our heart is our enemy. It is a danger to our righteousness. Your heart is not a danger to your pleasure. Your heart is not a danger to your immediate fleshly happiness. But your heart is a danger to being upright. It is a danger to your righteousness. He says, I will not let go of my righteousness. I will not allow my heart to reproach me so long as I live. Seven says, let my enemy be as the wicked. He that rise above up against me as the unrighteous. For what is the hope of the hypocrite? Though he have gained. When God taketh it away his soul. Will God hear his cry when trouble cometh upon him? Will he delight himself in the almighty? Will he always call upon God? 11. I will teach you by the hand of God that which is with the almighty. Will I not conceal? 12. Behold, all ye yourselves have seen it. Why then are ye thus altogether vain? Why are we vain? Why are we vain? I want you to look at it. Just go to the top of 27 in verse two. He says, as God liveth, who have taken away my judgment and the almighty who hath vexed my soul. Verse three, all the while my breath is in me and the spirit of God is in my nostrils for my lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. This is a man who has guarded his heart. 
who has protect himself from his heart so that he will not speak wickedness. So his tongue will not lie and sneak and be deceitful. He says, God forbid that I should justify you till I die. I will not remove my integrity from me. I will not remove my integrity. That's what's compromised here. Guys, if you learned anything today. I understand what that song means. If you learned anything today. To See, I, ain't understand I need you we sing songs, don't to I guard your heart. I need you to understand that it is about protecting your heart. It is about guarding it from you. See, we we are protecting our righteousness when we guard our heart. We are protecting our integrity when we guard our heart. When we don't allow it to move as it wants to. When we don't give it free roam. When we don't allow other things to influence it or stimulate it or infiltrate it. We protect our righteousness. What does that mean? That means I will not speak wickedness. I will not utter deceit. That means that I will not remove myself from integrity or allow integrity to be removed from me. I will not allow unrighteousness to be the purveyor of my life. I will not be a reactor. Dedicate this to every single person who hears the disquietness of your heart. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would touch their lives. That these words would infiltrate their heart. And they will take understanding that every day that they wake up angry, sad, frustrated, tears in their eyes. That they have allowed their heart to go unattended. They have allowed it to wreck shop. They have allowed it to tear down their integrity. They have allowed it to tear down their respectability. They have allowed it to tear down their, their righteousness. They have allowed it to just do what it wants. And I pray today that they will allow these words to permeate and decide today that they would rather have you than all the world can offer. That's my prayer. Amen. Real Church Matters. This episode, I don't know what I'm going to call it, but we know it's about the heart. That's what I'm going to call it. Oh, there it is. We know it's about the heart. The heart of the matter. I hope y'all heard something that was beneficial to you. I'm Forrest Hall. This is Real Church Matters. We talk Real Church Matters because Real Church Matters. Be on the lookout for more stuff, for more people. Uh, I want to leave 2020 with a bang. God bless.